Good afternoon and welcome to Redneck Radio, the post-Powerball podcast for lottery losers. And I say lottery losers because if you had won the lottery yesterday, you would not be listening to this podcast. Because your phone would be ringing nonstop with people asking you for money. And that's one of the downsides to being rich, is when you are rich and everybody knows that you're rich, then everybody wants your money. And so it would be unfortunate that even though you love this podcast, if you had won the lottery, you would be unable to listen to it. But do not worry, I'm sure you would find comfort swimming in your pile of $100 bills like Scrooge McDuck. And so I don't actually feel completely sorry for you, but it's unfortunate that you can't listen to this podcast. And I know, I know that it sounds horrible, but I hope that you didn't win the lottery if you're listening to this. Because winning the lottery isn't all that great. Um, it is pretty well known that winning the lottery can have the potential to destroy your life. And an article in New York Post claims that 70% of lottery winners go broke within the first seven years. The article goes on to talk about the tragic lives of those who have won the lottery. Now, before you laugh at the idea of someone who had won the lottery having a tragic life, just listen to the description of the lives as they were ruined by the money that came from the lottery. Now, these people who win the lottery, these 70% who go broke, not only do they go broke, but many are robbed, poisoned, murdered. Some of them commit suicide. And, and in many of the cases, the people committing these crimes upon the lotto winners tend to be friends and family. So not only have you been poisoned or robbed, but you have, uh, you've been poisoned and robbed by a friend or a family member. Now, one of the most depressing and also kind of entertaining stories is the story of Jack Whitaker. Now, Jack Whitaker won $315 million in the lottery. And at first, he did a lot of great things with his money. You know, uh, giving money to the needy, building things for people who needed things building. I mean, he was a great guy. But it quickly uh, spiraled out of control, and in the end, he ended up being robbed twice. Once of $200,000, and then again, he was robbed of $500,000 outside a strip club. Now, here's the thing that blows my mind. That a man would take $500,000 to a strip club. He probably left it in his car, and that's like, I don't know, a briefcase, two briefcases full of $100 bills. What I don't get is, and I live in a relatively crime-free area, I don't even feel comfortable leaving my favorite pair of jeans in my truck outside of my house, let alone $500,000 in my car outside a strip club. Because if your car is going to be robbed in any parking lot, a strip club has got to be up there on the list of places where you do not want to park your car loaded with $500,000 in cash. Now, Jack's life continued to spiral out of control and fall apart, and he inadvertently caused the death of two people. And in the end, both he and his wife said that they wish he would have torn up that ticket and never won the lottery. And that's uh, probably a claim that 70% of lottery winners would make, especially the ones that were poisoned and murdered. I'm sure they wish they had never won the lottery, because while they did win a lot of money, you know, 
they were also murdered. So you won a lot of money, and that was great, but then you were murdered, and you can't spend that money in the afterlife, you know, unless you have the same beliefs as the Egyptians, in which case you would want to be buried with all that money uh, so you could use it in the afterlife to live comfortably. But for most of us, we don't believe that. So maybe if you're an Egyptian and you win the lottery and then you are murdered and buried with your treasure, maybe that's not as big a deal. You know, you can use all that money later in the afterlife. Now, hunters actually know quite a bit about the lottery. At least in my state, we have what they call a draw or drawing, which is essentially a, a lottery. You know, you pay the state money and they put you into like a, a raffle, supposedly, and then your name is picked kind of at random. And that's how you win your hunt or, you know, some of the best primo hunts in the state. So hunters know a lot about lotteries. And, you know, we always play the lottery. Every year we play the lottery, the hunt lottery. And for the most part, we spend our money understanding that we are going to lose. We just like the idea that there's a small chance that we could win and get the hunt of our dreams. So I actually took the time today to go through all the hunts that I put in for to see what the odds are that I will actually get that hunt. And let me tell you, it was a very depressing uh, experiment. So let me break down for you the numbers concerning the hunts that I put in for. The hunting lottery. Your chance of drawing a limited entry mule deer hunt in my state is 1 in 26. So that's a 3% chance that you will draw a limited entry deer hunt. Now, what your, your odds are really depend mostly upon which of these hunts you put in for. This is it, an average covering all limited entry hunts. But the hunt I want to do, and, and it makes sense that it would be this way because it is one of the most sought-after hunts in the state, but the mule deer hunt I want to do, your odds are 1 in 1,200, which is 0 0.08 of 1% chance that you will draw that hunt, which is crazy to think about. I mean, what are the odds you will draw that? It is way less than 1% that you will draw that hunt. And that's for mule deer. Let's move on to limited entry elk, right? So if you were to put in for limited entry elk, your average is one in 16 or 6%. So you have a 6% chance that you will draw a limited entry elk tag in my state. Now, if you were to put in for the area I would like to put in, your odds are 1 in 130, or 0.7%, so less than 1% chance that you will draw for that hunt. And these are all averages. Now, the other hunt I was put in for is the Desert Bighorn. And your odds of drawing the Desert Bighorn in my state is 1 in 146, or 0.6%. And that's for all the desert bighorn hunts. If you were to put in specifically for the hunt I like, your odds are 1 in 239 or 0.4%. Now, the reason that my odds are so low is that for the most part, I don't have a lot of points. And the reason I don't have a lot of points is because I just barely got into this system. So my odds of getting the hunt that I want, any of these limited entry hunts or once-in-a-lifetime hunts, is pretty close to zero. I mean, 0.4% is really quite close right next door to 0% chance. And obviously my odds go up the more points I have. What I'm giving you is kind of the lower end of the odds in my favor. 
That is some depressing shit. I mean, those numbers are depressing. Basically, what's happening here is my state is selling me broken dreams. Every year I give them money. Granted, it's not a ton. But I give them money, and they give me a false sense of hope. But now that I've done the numbers and I've seen the odds, I mean, I have I've pulled back the wool from my eyes. And I can literally see that I have no chance, unless I live to be like 150 years old, I will probably never draw any of these hunts. So what is a hunter like me to do? Well, it might be easier for me to become a millionaire and buy these hunts at their exorbitant prices than it is to live my whole life putting in year after year and draw them. And when I start to think about it, I begin to understand why it is that so many hunters get angry about the way the hunting uh, lottery is, is run. And what happens when you have people who are angry and they can't see behind the curtain of the system that doles out these things like, you know, limited entry tags, it's not hard to understand where and how these conspiracy theories about the hunting drawings come about. I mean, there are as many conspiracy theories surrounding hunting draws and hunting raffles as there are surrounding the moon landing. But it's hard. I mean, as I said before, it's hard not to agree with these conspiracy theorists. It's as difficult to ignore them as it is to ignore a topless woman at the beach. And that's really hard. For example... There have been times in my life when I have witnessed people with next to zero points, but with great connections, get hunts that people have put in for their entire lives. And every time that happens, the rumor mill starts just running like crazy because everybody wants to know how the hell it is that this person who's like 20 years old got a sweet hunt while this old man who's been putting in for the past 25 years hasn't managed to draw a sweet hunt in all of those years. And by the way, by the time this person does draw the hunt, by the time most of these people actually have enough points to bring their odds down to a point where they might actually draw a good hunt, they're too old and crippled to actually go out and do a hunt. I mean, if you draw a desert bighorn hunt at the age of 60, when you started putting in when you were 25, well, then your body is very different from the 25-year-old who started putting in for the hunt. And that 60-year-old is going to have a hell of a time trying to get to the area and get to the desert bighorns that he's been scoping out for the past 30 years. So the whole lottery around hunting and the whole lottery around doing those stupid raffles where, oh, just put in $5. And, you know, $5 per tag, and there's a good chance you might draw a hunt. It's all just a big scam. At least to people like me, and I'm, I'm really cheap, so take this all with a grain of salt. But it's all just a big scam because you got to imagine how much money they're making. And that's the same thing with the lottery out there with the Powerball. You can only imagine how much these people are making through the taxation or, or to, through the taxation of these winners. That doesn't mean I haven't seen a raffle that I felt was honest. There was once a raffle that took place at a banquet. And what they were giving away was an Alaskan doll sheep hunt. And the woman who won was a large, rotund woman. Definitely too portly to work her way through the Wrangell Mountains for 10 days. And 
The amount of scorn cast upon her by 1,000 jealous eyes, I must, it must have just been burning imaginary holes into her back as she went up to accept that award. But at least, and this is how I felt, but at least we can be quite confident that that was an honest raffle because no one would ever feel good about giving away a hunt that cost tens of thousands of dollars to someone who was physically incapable of doing that hunt. And I got to tell you, it was enraging to everyone involved, including the people who had to take her out on that hunt because basically she could only hunt from the landing strip. Anyway, con you know, congratulations to those who did win the Powerball. And uh, I feel like I'll be seeing more of you in the news as you spend your money and are eventually poisoned. And to all of those of you who have won hunts that I have wanted for myself, I also give you a begrudging congratulations. Because to be honest, I'm happy that you get to go out and do those hunts. But secretly in my heart, which is as black as a black hole in my heart. I'm really wishing that I was the one who had won that hunt. <clears throat> now I spoke a couple weeks ago about politicians who pheasant hunt. And in some of you, I hope remember that discussion, but many of you probably do not. But in this podcast, I remarked how incredibly insulting it was for these politicians to pander to us like that where they try to influence us conservative hunters by partaking in a hunt most of us have never done, with guns we could never afford, and hunting at ranches we would never be allowed on. And when I talked about these pheasant hunting politicians in that podcast from the past, one of the questions I asked was why? Why is it that we don't see any politicians taking part in a deer hunt? Because I promise, I will vote for any candidate who kills a deer or an elk. And if you kill a deer or an elk with a spear, I won't even question what any of your policies are. You know, And I offer this challenge to Rubio, Cruz, or Clinton. Because seriously, I would vote for Hillary Clinton if she jumped out of a tree with a spear and drove its point all the way through the body of that beast, pinning it down to the ground like a butterfly into those styrofoam boards that we used to use in grade school for bug collections. And you know what? I can already see a great ad coming from this, uh, from the Clinton campaign. I mean, can you picture this political ad? It starts off with listing some of Hillary Clinton's greatest achievements and a, you know, a deep voice says something like she abandoned Benghazi. She received millions in foreign donations to her charity while serving as Secretary of State. She emailed classified documents with the indifference of someone swapping recipes with her girlfriends. But none of that matters, because here she is looking like a badass. Then it shows Hillary Clinton in a tree stand with her face painted black, and then suddenly she leaps from the tree like a Spartan warrior, you know, from the movie 300, and then she drives the spear through the spine of a deer, pinning it to the ground like a kebab. And as the deer kicks and writhes in pain, she turns to the camera and says, Vote Hillary. That would, be, that would be awesome. That would probably be the greatest political campaign ad you could put out there. But the idea of this taking place is ridiculous. I know. I mean... That frail old lady would break in half like a graham cracker if she jumped out of a tree stand. And you would have to spend tens of millions of dollars on the greatest talent at 
Light and Magic Studios in San Francisco to get that commercial made. I mean, they said that the most green screen ever used was used in the movie The Martian, but to make this political commercial, you would have to use more green screen than that. But you know what? As ridiculous as it sounds, I think there are still people out there who would vote for her based on this commercial alone, which is actually quite sad. But here's the thing. Ted Cruz just made a commercial like this. Now, when I say like this, I mean nothing like this. Because in the commercial that Ted Cruz made, there's no spear, there's no deer, there's no jumping out of a tree, and in fact, the candidate himself doesn't talk at all. Which makes the whole kind of ad weird. To see an ad where a politician is in it, but doesn't talk, to me is very, very strange. And I want to take a minute to talk about this ad because I found it to be very enlightening. Now, in this ad, there's Phil Roberts, who many of you know from Duck Dynasty, and he lists all the things that he claims would make a great president. And he says, the person must be godly, that this person must love us, this person must do the job. And then he says, this person, would they kill a duck, put him in a pot, and make him a good gumbo? The biggest problem with this commercial is that we don't see Ted Cruz do any of those things. We see him shoot a shotgun, but we don't see him kill a duck. We certainly don't see him put a duck in a pot, and we certainly don't see him make a good gumbo, if such a thing is possible. So I'm kind of confused because the whole point of this ad is to prove that Ted Cruz is you know, qualified to be president, but then he doesn't do any of those things that Phil Roberts claims would qualify him to be a great president. And by the way, you know, we're putting the bar pretty low by saying that we'll vote for someone as long as they can shoot a bird of some kind and cook it. To me, that's pretty low. That would mean that there's a lot of people in the South who could be president of the United States. According to Phil Roberts, many of these listeners, many of those, you li- many of those listening to this podcast you would, according to Phil Roberts, meet all of the qualifications to be president of the United States. We are really keeping the bar pretty low by saying that we'll vote for you as long as you can shoot a bird and make some kind of gumbo. I mean, think about this. To be consul in Rome, which was their version of a president, to be president in Rome, you had to have extensive military experience. According to this commercial, in America to be president, you have to be able to shoot a bird and put it in a pot and cook it. I feel like there's maybe something wrong if that's what you believe. Now, I I personally don't think that you need to have to have killed an animal to be president. It's definitely a bonus because then you have someone in the highest office in the land who can relate to you and to us. Right, So it's definitely a bonus. But there are other things that are more important, like is this person honest? Is this person intelligent? Do they have a sound foreign policy? And I think it's a bit insulting when these candidates make these commercials where they're pheasant hunting or duck hunting, uh, and then they essentially say that you should vote for me because I shoot animals. Right? I'm just like you. I shoot ducks and I shoot pheasants. That's why you should vote for me. Don't don't worry about all the other things. 
but vote for me because I'm just like you. I'm just salt of the earth, you know. I'm just a good salt of the earth guy. I'm out here getting dirty, and I'm proving my worth to all of you by coming out once every 10 years and shooting a duck. And the way we know that we're being insulted is that nowhere in this commercial are any of Ted Cruz's policies or ideas present. And so you can't, you really, you can't really use this commercial to get to know Ted Cruz, right? So let's see how many of our questions about Ted Cruz this commercial actually answers. So here's a question. Uh, where does Ted Cruz stand on gun rights? Commercial's answer. Look, I shot a duck. Our question, where does Cruz stand on care for veterans? Commercial's answer, look, I'm in a duck blind. Our question, where does Cruz stand on the Iranian peace deal? Commercial's answer, look, I painted my face black like Phil. Our question, how does Ted plan to get Americans working again? Commercial's answer, Phil Roberts likes me. So as you can see, it's not really a great discussion. We don't really get to know much about Ted Cruz through this commercial. Obviously, the point isn't to educate us. They're assuming we're too dumb to be educated. The point is just to say, look, this used-to-be television star likes me. And he claims that not only him, but all of his family is going to vote for me. Which, by the way, I don't know if Phil can really answer for the rest of the family, but in the commercial, he does say that everyone's going to vote for him. But we have to take him at his word, just like we have to take him at his word that Ted Cruz actually hit a duck, put it in a pot, and made a good gumbo. Basically, this commercial assumes that you're dumb. That you'll vote for a man solely based on an advertisement where the candidate may or may not have shot a duck with a famous duck hunter from a couple years back. I mean, ignore the man's qualifications. Those do not matter. Ignore his history, his past, his personality. Ignore his policies. Those things do not matter. You know, what matters is what did he shoot and who did he shoot it with? Those are the burning questions in the minds of conservative voters, according to the candidates. So what's up next? You know, are we going to see Marco Rubio go on a cow elk hunt with Jim Shockey? Are we going to see Jeb Bush hunt a bear with the reanimated corpse of Teddy Roosevelt? Or will we see Donald Trump go fishing for salmon in Alaska with the Lord himself? I mean, where does it end, right? It just keeps going up and up and up because they just assume that all that matters to us is what you shot and who you shot it with. How about it ends right here? You know, we, let, let's let Ted Cruz know that just because he pretends to walk like a duck, quack like a duck, and shoot ducks from a duck blind. That does not make him a duck. You know, and that's not going to get our votes. And it would be nice if politicians maybe stopped treating us like we were hot chicks. I mean, it feels sometimes like they treat us like just a hot babe. You know, they whine us, they dine us, treat us like we're just too stupid to understand grown-up stuff. But they make us feel important like we're the only ones for them. And once they've got what they want, they move on. I say we let them know that we voters are more than just tits and teeth. Some of us care about grown-up stuff. Don't patronize us just because we work at the strip club. We're only stripping to pay for college. We can figure this stuff out. So stop treating us like idiots and show us some damn respect. 
And really, that's all that this ad comes down to is respect. And the problem with this ad is that it shows an absolute lack of respect for voting hunters. And now I, I doubt you're as mad as I am. And that's fine. You know, you shouldn't be upset all the time. It's not a great way to live. But I think that you might want to care about this a little bit more than perhaps you do. Because Ted Cruz thinks that you're stupid. So maybe we should write Ted Cruz a strongly worded email telling him that, you know, you're going to have to try a lot, of, a lot harder if you want to get your hands into our voting booth. However, let me make this clear. I'm not saying don't vote for Ted Cruz. To be honest, I don't know very much about Ted Cruz, and certainly the uh, political campaign ad that I watched of his didn't tell me much more than uh, what I already didn't know. So I want to make it clear that I'm not saying don't vote for him. You know, look into his policy, find out if he's your man. What I'm trying to say is you should demand a little bit more respect for th from the candidates, and that's really all I'm saying. So with that in mind, let's wrap up our little podcast here. Thanks for listening. We appreciate everyone who has listened to this podcast and left a positive review on iTunes. That helps us. It definitely helps us you know, show up better in the search results on iTunes. Although I'm not really sure what you would search for to get this podcast. Go to our blog at redneckradio.blogspot.com. It's still difficult for me to say. Or visit me on Instagram, Thaddeus Stotch, um, at Thaddeus Stotch, and look at all the wonderful pictures that I've posted there. And thank you for listening. Hope you'll join in next week. Thanks. Bye.